So take a look at the chart. And the idea of this is I know that most people are not going to be students of the end of days, so to speak. But what we might not know about God is that he's very definitely wants to tell us ahead of time what is going to happen in the earth. And what is the Bible? The Bible is actually an encryption as to why a lot of debate over, you know, the Bible was written by men and it's very confusing, it contradicts itself. The Bible is interesting that it's not written to those who do not believe. It is written to those who believe. And if you are, if you work for the CIA and you want to get a message to a CIA agent in Russia and you want to give him some information and you don't want the enemy to understand it, you encrypt it. And, and the enemy gets a hold of that message, he's going to just say, this is just stupid gobbledygook. And that's what our natural minds quite often do. The natural man receives not the things of God, for they are spiritually discerned. But the CIA agent in Russia, he has the decryptor the decoder. He has the methodology to break the code. For us, the code breaker is the Holy Spirit. And we've, we've talked a lot about the different languages of the Bible. Um, there's the language of names. There's the language of numbers. There's the language of patterns. And there's even the language of, I forget the name of this, but it's what it's telling you by what it's leaving out. Like, for example, Abraham and Isaac go up the mountain, sacrifice his son. You hear about Isaac. Isaac says, well, where's the sacrifice? When they come down the mountain, it's just interesting. You hear nothing about Isaac. After God speaks, says, I see that you've not withheld your son. After God speaks, you hear nothing about Isaac. You can go ahead and look at the text. Until when? He meets his wife. So the allegory and the um, symbolism and all of that is father, God the father, sacrifices son, and then he goes away, and then when he finds his bride, so to speak. So there's a whole lot of things in the scripture but most of all, it is the Holy Spirit who decodes it. But one thing that I discovered a few years back is that God wants us to know ahead of time. Because why? He cares about us. If you want to tell someone, give them a heads up on some possibly very dangerous situations, you tell them that because you love them. Right? You care about them. You are involved in their future. 
So you can go to that first screen now. Now, this is a common, um, I don't know, misunderstanding, uh, stumbling block. Okay, so we'll establish, these are just some more verses on that God tells us ahead of time. At the end of this verse, this is out of Matthew, if anyone says to you, look here, he's there, is the Christ, don't believe it, false Christ, false prophets. If possible, even to deceive, what, the elect. And then he ends that, he says, I have told you beforehand. Amos, God does nothing unless what? He reveals it. And what do the prophets do? They tell the people. Give them a heads up. John 14, 29. What, what is the work of the Son of Man on the earth? And you know, the Son is a lot like the Father. And then the Holy Spirit's a lot like Jesus. These three are one. And I don't think they're one person. They're one in purpose. One in intention. They have the same ideas about the same things. I have told you before it comes that when it comes to pass, you may believe. <coughs> this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And here's the MSG version. I've told you this ahead of time before it happens so that when it does happen, the confirmation will deepen your faith in me. Okay, now this is what I want to address, and we're going to call this the lesson of Methuselah. You know who Methuselah is? You know what a Methuselah uh, butterfly is? Yeah, yeah, just by the name. Well, in the monarch butterfly, there's three generations, four generations of Methuselahs. And the Methuselah um, butterfly lives about nine to ten months. And he flies all the way back to Mexico from northern Canada. And then he lives through the winter. And then the next generation of butterfly, the monarch butterfly, they only live for like six, eight weeks. And they fly far enough north as spring is breaking to feed on the milkweed. Then they all die. Then they have a bunch of babies. And then the next generation does the same thing goes a little farther north, and they only live eight or nine weeks, and they die. And then the third generation gets all the way to Canada, and they have babies. And those babies live like nine or ten months. Who thought of that? So Methuselah is, actually his name means, death is sent. Or in dying, he will send, which is really kind of a weird name. But this is the this is the frustration we all have. Um, not with death, yeah, that's that's really a bummer. But anyway, <clears throat> what I wanted to talk about here was in eschatology, big word I know means study of the end. People are like, oh man, one of those guys. You talk about that. Well, here's the idea that in the Bible, the apostles believed. Little children, it is the last hour. Well, a thousand years is one day to the Lord, one day to the Lord is a thousand years. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. It's true. But I think John actually believed, even now many Antichrists have come, which we know, this is how we know it is the last hour. Right? So the apostles 
thought they were in the like last days, their lifetime. And this is called, has a name, the doctrine of imminent return. In Hebrews 1, Paul says a similar thing. Has in these last days, God who at different times, in times past, spoken time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days, spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, so even Paul was like, these are sort of the last days. So what is that? That was 2,000 years ago. Peter. Now Peter does this, and I've heard Christians paraphrase this, almost verbatim, not knowing. And this is at a, a, a pastor's conference that I had a, a brother almost verbatim say, oh man, well, they've been saying that forever, you know, forever. Oh yeah, the last days, here we go again. Anyway, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. So you don't want to really be in this category. You want to treat the subject matter with respect. You don't want to be in the category of the scoffer. However, we respect the scriptures and we realize that Okay, what's different about now and then? Is there anything different? What is the point? Why does the Lord, why is he Jehovah sneaky? Why does he seem to like trick us? These are the apostles of the faith. This is John. He thinks the Lord is coming back like in a few years. And probably Paul and Peter felt the same way. Well, times were tough in Rome in those days. And... Uh, why does the Lord do that? Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. It's been going on forever. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved. Okay, I think what we're talking about is Methuselah. Billy Graham said... He said, you've heard that it is the last days. If you knew the Lord was coming in 30 years, would you live your life differently? And would you tell others about Jesus Christ? And, you know, pause, because he's Billy Graham. <laughs> he goes, in 30 years, most all of you will be dead. <laughs> it is the end of days for you. And of course, I can't do his accent and quite with the. <clears throat> and I think that's the purpose. That is the teaching of imminent return. Whether the Lord is coming back in 20 years, 100 years, I don't know. But he does want us to know his ways because he cares about us. He wants us to know that he can do math. That he does not change when he sets up a pattern. He will keep, he will stick to that pattern. How lucky was it that he fulfilled the spring feasts exactly? How lucky was it that on the day of Passover they decided to kill him and crucify him? What a coincidence. And that the next day starts Passover of unleavened bread and he who knew no sin as the serpent was raised in the wilderness, which is a picture of sin. Christ is raised on the cross, a picture of sin. But he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. That we would be raised to newness of life. 
how lucky that was. And he was without spot. And he was perfect. And he could fulfill the law because he was without sin. We can't fulfill the law because we're sinners. And how lucky was it that on the appointment of first fruits, what a coincidence, he rose from the dead. And what a coincidence. He walks around for 10 days, if you do the math. He's 50 days after the Passover is ended. 40 days. 40 days. No, he, he was 40 days after the Passover is ended. When does the 50 count start? I think it's at Passover. Anyway, whatever, it doesn't matter. So basically, the day of Pentecost comes exactly. And another major coincidence, he pours out his spirit, and the church is born. So what God's telling us is that he can do math. He's very capable of telling us that he's going to do something a couple thousand years in advance, 1,500 years. What is it, 1,400 years from Mount Sinai to the resurrection? Somewhere in there. So, in other words, well, can I trust in God? That's the power of it. Will he keep his word? Have you ever trusted somebody and they broke their word? And when you were actually depending on them and they go, yeah, can't do it. Yeah, oh well. That didn't work out, so see ya. Well, God is telling us he's not like that. He is dependable. When he says, I will care for you, he means it. If he says, I'll come through for you, and he's telling us through the scriptures everything about the law and the prophets are a prophecy. They are a foretelling to us. It's a love letter to his peoples. It is the woman goes away and she ponders. You know, at the Jewish wedding, um, the betrothed, is that the girl? She receives the wine. If she receives the wine and takes a sip out of it, the young man hands her a glass of wine. It is the cup of the covenant. And if she takes a sip, it means she accepts his proposal. And it's an engagement party, and so everybody's witnessing it. He hands it to her, and she's like, and if she's sort of pranksterish, she sits there and waits. You know? Anyway, she takes a sip, and they're like, and they throw bottles and step on glass and do all that stuff. She accepts it, but now every, the party goes away, and tradition is that what she does, she sits. And she ponders all the things that he has promised her. She ponders that he is going to come through for her. And the betrothed, I'll say the young man, goes away with his father to build a home, to build a place. So the cup of the covenant, we ponder, which we're going to have communion this morning, the terms of the covenant. Well, I was a sinner. Christ died for me. 
He paved the way for eternal life for me forever. He liked me before he knew me. And the miraculous thing, he liked me after he got to know me. <laughs> huh? You too, John. So Methuselah, here's the thing. I'll just tell you this. You can look all this up. But in the name Enoch has a vision of ten thousands of angels coming, and he has a vision of the coming of the Lord. Within that prophetic, um, he has a prophecy that when his son dies, God is going to send judgment. In dying, he will send. Anyway, Noah has a similar, and so he builds an ark. Noah gets a similar word, so he builds an ark. But Enoch gets this word that judgment is going to come, and the flood is going to come when this kid dies. The kid is just born. He could be born stillbirth. So shortly after the prophecy is that shortly after Methuselah dies, judgment will come on the earth. So he's one year old. He's a toddler. Running around thinking, well, what do I do? Well, there's nothing I can do. I want to protect him. He's my, that's what you do with little kids. So can you imagine the anticipation? He could wander off into a swimming pool and drown. Or the jackals could come in to camp and take him away. I mean, all the things that you would consider. Well, the lesson of Methuselah is that God is long-suffering. What happened with Methuselah? He lived 969 years. Almost a thousand years later. So, but Enoch lives in this anticipation, not knowing when. Why does God do that? He does it because our lives, we were born into corruption, and, and God lives in eternity. So to him, 50 years, even 1,000 years is nothing. He's concerned about our spiritual well-being. He wants to live our lives with purpose. And he tells us ahead of time what's going to happen because he loves us. So that's his whole aim. His, his final thing that he wants to do what do you like to do as a parent? If you got a bunch of kids, a bunch of grandkids, you like to get everybody together, sit on the porch and watch them interact. And have a party. Let them eat and hang out, play. Well, Dad, the end game of what he's about is gathering that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together and one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth. Even in him. He wants to get his kids together. And he wants to take away the pain and the sorrow and the sadness. So he's pretty benevolent. He's like a good God. It's a reliable story. And he shows us over and over and over, proving himself that he keeps his word, that all of his story and his intentions are reliable. He has the resource to make it happen. That is the prophetic word throughout the Bible. That is what he's speaking to us. Isn't that good news? Yes. It's good for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, I wanted to keep it short today because last two weeks in a row, I like went way over my time limit. I know none of you even noticed you were so well behaved. <laughs> 
So Dale is going to share a song with us, and then we're going to have communion.